Hi, and welcome to the Imperfect Podcast. My name is Deb Crow, and I will be your host. Join me on this journey as we meet heart-centered leaders from all over the globe. Lots of interesting questions, interesting conversation, and find out what makes a leader. How do they handle uncertainty and complexity? How do they lead in a time that is volatile? Join us. Welcome back to Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. And we're continuing our 2021 season with yet another another amazing heart-centered leader. Today, I want to introduce you to Derek Lutz. I hope I'm saying his name correctly. I had a 50-50 pronunciation to do so. Derek really embodies everything we talk about within human resources. He's done his undergrad in psychology. He then continued and did further education in linguistics, So I'm really excited to open up the conversation of his love of people, his love of learning the language and and chatting to people. And he's the founder and owner of Lean Six Search Group. So his ability to match world-class talent within the supply chain industry is second to none. He offers a very unique and creative recruitment and talent acquisition process that we're going to talk about. So Derek, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Deb. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, we've had some fun with scheduling and COVID and all sorts of things, but here we are. I think today's the day. So I'm excited to jump right in with the interview and ask some leadership questions. So if you're ready, I'm ready. Fire away. All righty. I love your background, Derek. I love the combination of psychology and linguistics. So my leadership question is, where did your love of people come for you to land up in the recruitment, HR, or what I I love the buzzwords of what we're calling it now in 2021, the talent and culture sector? so that you can really help companies search and find the best talent out there? Yeah, well, I think, you know, it stemmed from a very young age. I was always the kid in elementary school in class who talked too much, who was too curious about the world and, you know, who wanted to know everybody, you know, on a deeper level, I guess. And I think, you know, I got in trouble for that a lot, but, you know, it turned out that it wasn't such a bad thing later in life. but when, when it comes down to the, the recruitment industry, I actually fell into it by accident. I, um, I, was, uh, I graduated from Uni- University of Calgary with psychology, as you said, and then I moved to Edmonton kind of on a whim. I was working for a, uh, an industrial company and they, in the summertime actually, in between university, and they hired me on as a recruiter. Um, I had planned actually, as you saw by my uh, linguistics background, to go do speech language, but I wanted to take a year off, kind of get some experience after going to school four years and and uh, yeah, I kind of just fell into it. I, I was hired as a recruiter, probably during the worst time you could be a recruiter in 2008, nine, when the whole global belt tightening happened and we had a major recession and, you know, the oil you know, industry kind of collapsed back then. And when you're working for a company that focuses on that as a recruiter and you're not recruiting, well, you know, you can kind of paint that picture, but I was laid off. I didn't know what to do on a whim, drove 
I, I was living in Edmonton, didn't like the cold. Uh, it was February. I decided to move up to Vancouver just solely for the weather. And I thought there'd be a little bit more opportunity for me out there. Um, you know, to make a long story short, I ended up going to a headhunter that was highly recommended. And, you know, after a few interviews of finding out what they or what I wanted to do and kind of trying to uncover my career, they said, Derek, you'd be a great recruiter. Why don't you, you know, an external recruiter, uh, why don't you come work for us? <laughs> and I, it was a big change. I had no desire, you know, I wanted to stay in the psych world. I wanted to kind of continue down that, um, you know, education route as a master's and just do something in between. But I said, you know what, you know, let's take a chance. And, you know, 10, 12, well, I guess 12 years later, you know, I'm, I'm still doing that job. So that's kind of where we are. And what I love about that is it's similar to the discussion I've had with many of my guests. You had the foundation, but you recognize the transferable skills. So taking that psychology degree and that linguistics degree and really honing them together. And you've beautifully landed in a sector that really is your calling. And it's interesting that you didn't pursue being a speech language pathologist. I, I was on track to being an occupational therapist. So there's something we have in common that we were both heading down the, the clinical route and we still landed up working with people, but in a totally different viewpoint sector. I just find that fascinating, Derek. No, absolutely. And I, I think that's the case is, you know, I go back and forth, you know, for me, working with in speech language was going to be more intrinsic. It was going to be, you know, how do I make a difference? How can I give back? And I, and also I, I was a, you know, an athlete my whole life and I coached a lot and, and ran a lot of clinics for children and I love working with kids. And so that was going to be my focus. And so when I, when I decided to kind of, you know, pursue the career and head under, you know, I thought, how can I, you know, how can I get this intrinsic piece as well? Because going into business, you know, for the sake of is, you know, there's a monetary focus, there's, there is a big people focus naturally, but I wasn't necessarily getting that intrinsic piece that was going to make me happy. But obviously, you know, your work doesn't need to have that in life. There's many other ways that I can get that through coaching still through, you know, volunteering, you know, any kind of thing like that to kind of have that balance. Now, when it comes down to the recruitment piece, I mean, I didn't even realize it for so long, but I, you know, I change people's lives, you know, every, every day, week, month, because, you know, I'll give you one example. You know, there was a lady who I still am, am very close with, who is from Spain, was working in Argentina, and I headhunted her for a big role in Atlanta. And she, you know, she wouldn't have known about the role if it wasn't for me. She wouldn't have even had this opportunity, moved her entire family to Atlanta, has built, you know, a massive um, career from that. This is six, seven years ago. And, you know, every, we talk probably every two or three months and, you know, every time she's like, Derek, I wouldn't be here, you know, in, in, the, in the States at, at the career I was, if it wasn't for you. And so there's, there's some really interesting things that I can take away from that as well, that I don't really think of because, you know, it is pretty um, time consuming. It's tough. It's, it's stressful role. But at the end of the day, when I look back and go, wow, I'm actually making a big difference in these people's lives, even though some, you know, a lot of my candidates, I don't even meet because it's a global role and I'm moving them around the world. And so a lot of it's just done by zoom or phone. So it's, you know, it, 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 you know, you do have that opportunity to give back as well, which is great. Well, and that's a beautiful story. And, and, you know, I'm going to jump on my soapbox here and talk about <laughs> my love of, of intrinsic validation. And it's such a component and quality needed to be a heart centered leader. And she made an impression on you that you didn't forget. And I love kind of when 
that connection comes together. It just, it allows us as heart-centered leaders to be open-minded and to really listen, but the trust and rapport that you developed with that woman and you changed the whole trajectory of her life. It's beautiful. It leads, it leads so nice into my next question though. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you what, what imperfections does Derek bring to his heart-centered leadership? So, do you know, I was never, and I still do not believe I am a good manager. I, I, I'm, you know, I have a great team, you know, I empower them. I give them all the tools for success, but I, I suck at managing. I'm not the type of person, you know, I'm, I'm not a big conflict guy. I really like to empower people. I always had trouble when, you know, when I was working for someone else over the years and growing my career, you know, there's, there was a lot of hard, difficult conversations to be had, which I think the more hard conversations you have in life, you know, the, probably the more successful you're going to be, because that's what differentiates people. But this took me a long time to get around. You know, I, I never was a great manager. I was a good leader. I was a good mentor and a good coach, but I, you know, I was not a micromanager. I was not going to, you know, get mad or berate people. It just wasn't in my nature. And so I, I think, you know, that was always a tough thing for working in a more corporate environment for me. I was never going to thrive. And so that would be probably my biggest imperfection when it comes to leadership is, you know, I've read, oh my goodness, you, you name it. I've read all the management books. And I mean, I understand on a, on a high level, you know, what needs to be done. But when it comes down to it, I like to hire people probably better than me and empower them and incentivize them but I like to let them just run free. I'm not going to be the guy who is constantly managing and checking in and doing things. And, you know, it's, it's, it works out for me, luckily, but it's not for everybody. Well, it's a conversation that has come up quite a bit on the podcast. Mm -hmm. And we always want to talk about what's the difference between a leader and a manager and a leader has people follow them where a manager has people work for them. And I really believe that entrepreneurs and CEOs run or own successful businesses. They really need to have a presence in both. And -hmm. what you've done on the management side is, is put the team in place and you're, you're sharing your vision with them. And that's, what's lent the success that you've had. And I think being both a leader and a manager is hard, but you can be imperfect and not trying to have perfect in both different roles. And I love the way that you phrase that. It leads nicely into my next question. You've done a lot of work, like you said, on Zoom, et cetera. So I'm sure COVID has put a dent in in meetings, et cetera, but operationally, you're still pushing on being virtual in the talent and culture sector. Mm-hmm. How has 2020 affected business for hiring talent, if any? And is there any remnants that you're seeing early on for 2021 or anything you can share with us from your area of expertise? Do you know, Deb, I think it's the biggest thing was, is it, it was kind of a roller coaster for everybody. And I think in our industry, and I mean, I'll speak to many recruiters or anyone in in talent, HR, culture, people, um, you have to have a people first approach. And this became more imperative. And and we saw this more as I had more people reaching out to me, you know, than ever in March of 2020, April of 2020, because, you know, companies obviously started to kind of panic a little bit and there was layoffs and, 
you know, and then everything normalized. And it was kind of like, you know, a, a hierarchy of different emotion. And, and it's been, you know, it was a, it was a whirlwind for us as well. You know, we, you know, come, come March, April time, you know, most of my clients said, Hey, we got to see what's going on with, um, you know, with COVID before we do any hires. And so most of the, the revenue we had and most of the searches we had either were canceled or put on hold, you know, and obviously as a business owner, um, you have salaries to pay, you have bills to pay. And I mean, I feel for everyone out there running small businesses, um, you know, obviously if you take the buzzword of 2020 was pivot, you know, and I, I don't like to use buzzwords as much, but that's kind of exactly what we did is we had to shift from looking at some of the companies we're working with that are going to be negatively affected and look at companies that were, you know, positively affected. And, you know, obviously food manufacturers and pharma and things like that were going to be big hirers because that's what people needed at the time. And that's what was growing. And so we had to shift, you know, kind of our value proposition and, you know, it worked out obviously because you start business developing into a new, into a new sector or a new function um, that goes well. And then of course, everybody thing kind of stabilized into the summer and, everybody realized, okay, life is going to go on. We've kind of, you know, I don't think, I mean, some countries got it under control, some don't still, but, you know, life kind of normalized. We realized that this wasn't going to end anytime soon and the business needs to go on as, as normal. And so the, the clients that kind of had that initial, you know, oh no, what's, what are we going to do approach and cancel things started to come back to me. And so it actually did, you know, work out for us. And I think I could have sat at home and, and, uh, and cried every evening, but we just took a different approach going, hey, this is affecting us, but let's, let's turn this around and make it more of a positive thing. So um, to answer your question about 2021, I mean, we don't, we haven't seen too much difference. Things are ramping up again in our industry. You know, the people first approach is getting big, remote work, um, more flexibility, um, you know, opportunity to, to kind of make a difference in, in, in that area, I think is going to be a big thing for companies moving into the future. Well, you've made a couple good points and, and you've segued nicely into my last leadership question. <laughs> Business still has to go on during a pandemic. And we've seen the beauty through, like you said, supply chain, our frontline workers. And I know that you have a very strong global network. I know that you have worked for some of the best and quite frankly, most interesting companies, Kimberly Clark, Adidas, Lululemon, Unilever, L'Oreal, just to name a few. Mm -hmm. How has your team developed more, I'm going to say outside of the box strategies or modalities to maintain what you already had in place with COVID yeah. to still deliver what you were doing prior to? You know, we were, we were a little bit ahead of the game on the remote work stuff because I mean, I physically have had a couple, you know, WeWork style offices in, in Vancouver and in a couple other locations, but we are pretty much a remote office because, you know, as a, as a headhunter, I really just need to have, you know, internet access, a, a solid phone line and a computer. And if we have, and, and my team as well, the biggest thing that we've seen, um, you know, working with some of those brands is, is, you know, our ability to kind of understand their challenges and, 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 you know, everyone is, is going to that remote work or had to, obviously it was forced to go to that remote work route. And, you know, it was nice to coach people on, on what I've done because I've worked remotely for four years now. And it, you know, it's a big, it's a big challenge. And, you know, I just actually wrote a little um, blog about this, which I can share with you later is about, 
you know, it's kind of what they, they talk about. I think the New York Times and Washington Post wrote something similar about, you know, everybody doesn't have a commute anymore. And so there's no separation between home and work. And it's important to have that balance and take that time for yourself because, you know, that's where you listen to your podcast or that's where you can sit on the train and read a book or go for a walk. And, you know, those things, um, you just getting up in the morning and having some structure from, for your day is one of the biggest, you know, pieces of advice i'll give any company um, i'm not sure if i'm answering your question perfectly but i mean that's you know that's the biggest thing that we've had is we've been remote workers forever and you know everyone else is moving in this direction and it takes time to get used to well time and continually working on our virtue of patience which yes. i think you know the pause button that COVID's given us, has given us the time to do that. I'm going to switch gears now and ask you my fab four. These are just four fun questions, whatever's sitting on the top of Derek's mind. First question, <laughs> tell us something that we don't know about Derek. Oh, geez. Um, we don't know about Derek. Well, I have been I've traveled to over 100 countries of this world thus far that is something you probably don't know about me and I'm sure there's many more to still come I knew you traveled a lot I didn't realize you'd been over 100 that's amazing I'm sure you've got lots of stories packed into those yeah there's a couple there's, there's a couple, couple stories <laughs> second question what leader is inspiring you right now and why Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think, I mean, I can say the obvious one, but I'll maybe give you two answers here. The obvious one is, is Elon Musk just with his $100 million give back on the carbon thing. I think that's a big thing. It's nice to see some of these, you know, very wealthy, very, very forward thinking individuals start to give back. But I mean, um, that's, that's probably, you know, the guy that, I mean, I just, he's always in the news and I'm looking at him, you know, as, as a leader, just because I, I really think that he has a lot to offer this world. He is someone that doesn't take uh, or he doesn't allow people to influence him on his on his journey. The other, you know, one would be another billionaire who's Mackenzie Scott. She's giving away, you know, billions of dollars a month to really, really strong um, uh, or really, really interesting charities, foundations. And I, I just love that. Those those two people are in the news a lot and people know about them, but they, you know, I think it's important to take some of the people that are and look at some of their good qualities. Um, I could name, you know, three or four more, including my parents and, you know, some of my team, but I think uh, that if that's what you want to hear, here we are. Oh, that's two great examples and, and truly heart-centered leaders with their servant leadership. And mm -hmm. what I love is their trajectory of just doing what they want to do and not letting the weight of other people's opinions exactly. interfere and then sharing their wealth and giving back with such a philanthropy approach to many different important issues around the globe so two great examples and let's just hope they inspire people you know other people to do the same so absolutely my third question is i know you're not a word guy and i know you're not a mantra guy so i reframe <laughs> this question for you tell us what your vision is for derek as the man and derek as the ceo for 2021 um i think you know our vision is probably well I can use words I guess what'll be around structure you know as an entrepreneurial business and a, and a high growth business 
um, we, we were pretty scrappy. You know, I consider us a challenger brand and we kind of, you know, really, really fought for what we have. And now, you know, it's, it's becoming a little bit normalized where we have some fantastic clients, a few of whom you mentioned um, before and, and many more. Now it's about kind of, you know, scaling this in a, in a structured, you know, um, easy way. I don't want to over um, commit to anything or push this too far, but I think this year is going to be about putting a little more structure in the business and, and trying to scale it and setting it up with, with some automation. Um, that'll be a big thing, I think, for me this year. Well, that's exciting. And we've had great talks around structure and discipline. So I'm not surprised mm -hmm. to hear that as your vision. My we talked about, that's for sure. <laughs> absolutely. My last question is, if you had to sit down with the 16-year-old version of Derek, what advice would you give him? Um, I would say cut your hair, first of all. <laughs> and I would say, you know, I think the advice I would give myself would be, um, find, uh, find your stillness. I've always been as you, well, as you probably gathered by traveling so much, you know, I really like to be on the move. And after reading, you know, numerous books by people like Leonard Cohen, or, you know, some of the, even my mom, she says, Derek, you need to learn to be still. And I think, you know, 2020 really taught me that obviously we weren't able to travel as much. And I think, I think I, I needed to kind of find that happiness in being still and, and, and moving a little bit slower uh, with more direction. And it's, it's really kind of calmed me down. I've always been, you know, quite a high energy person. And I think, um, you know, the silver lining to 2020, you know, was for me, you know, being able to understand how to, to kind of slow down, um, look at things a little bit more objectively and, you know, stop and smell this, uh, stop and smell the flowers as they say, uh, not to be cliche. Well, and it's, it's leaning into those moments of pause, which we all have right now with, mm -hmm. with COVID. And I just want to say, I, I appreciate your, your time and expertise and in, in what you're doing in the whole talent and culture sector. And just want to wish you nothing but the best. I know there's more conversations to be had between you and I, but thanks so much for being on the show. Absolutely. It's, it was my pleasure. And I, you know, I love what you're doing with this. I love the idea of heart-centered leadership. And I think, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just honored to be a part of this because you've had some wonderful people speak on here in the past, and I'm sure you're going to have many more down the road. So thank you very much for the opportunity. Well, I wanted to pick a really good quote that I knew you would like, and I, <laughs> I wanted to end the show with someone that I know that you will look up to and align with. And I have a quote from the talent attraction director of global talent from Visa, Celinda Appleby. And okay. this is her quote, social media allows you to make your jobs more human. Tell talent about the people behind your products. Trust your recruiters to be your digital warriors. Don't second guess it. I love it. That's a powerful quote and I think very valuable. Absolutely. So social media has its place, but the work that you're doing and the heart-centered leadership that you've developed with your clients globally is saving them a lot of time, effort, energy, and of course, money. So Derek, I want to thank you for being on the show. And if you like this episode, we'd love for you to share it. We'd love for you to give us a rate and a review. And thank you once again for joining me. This is Deb Crow. And until next time on Imperfect.
the Heart Centered Leadership Podcast. Thank you.